Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From the Financial Times, this is hard currency. Suddenly, it's fashionable to like the emerging markets again. Months of declines in EM currencies, some of them pretty dramatic, have not only come to an end but have started to reverse. So, can it last? Welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast, looking at the events and data that's shaping forex, the world's biggest market. For the last couple of weeks, we've noticed Asian and LATAM FX looking a little bit more sprightly, and even the South African rand is turning upwards. But what do these movements say about the prospects of these currencies, or is it more related to weakness elsewhere, in particularly at Uncle Sam? Well, with me to discuss all this is Dominic Bunning, senior FX strategist at HSBC, with a strong focus on EM. Dominic. Why is EM back in fashion? Is it too strong to say back in fashion? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is a bit of a short-term reversal of uh, an overextended sell-off. So if you look at what happened to emerging market currencies over the course of the last few months, you obviously had quite a protracted period of weakness. And what happens historically for emerging currencies is they tend to weaken somewhat. The markets tend to fear inflation pass through. They tend to fear the bond market, therefore, in local currencies. So they sell bonds. The central bank then has to step in and ratchet up rates. So you get a fear of the equity markets locally. So you see a real asset selling. This is a traditional EM crisis kind of model. But what's happened this time around is that we haven't really got the fear of inflation. So EMFX has, has weakened significantly. But you haven't seen the follow through in the bond market. You haven't seen big sales of local assets by foreign investors. Therefore, you haven't seen the need for central banks to raise rates and thus, you know, dampen the equity market. So without this local asset sale by foreigners, the EMFX move hasn't really been justified, hasn't been validated. And I think that's why we're getting the pullback for now. Uh, we, a few months ago, we were fearing an EMFX crisis. A lot of people are now saying that was overplayed and perhaps a lot of people oversold EM. I mean, do you share that view? Yeah, I think the idea of it being an EM crisis is overplayed. If we look at the past EM crises, there are a few differences. One in particular is that now currencies are a lot more flexible. We don't have the same pegged arrangements for many that we had before. So therefore, what used to happen was this buildup of pressure as the central bank would sell dollars and try to stop their local currency weakening. And then bang, the gasket popped and and these currencies had to depreciate sharply. What we've seen this time has been a much more gradual, as it were, although it doesn't feel like it in many times, a longer term move. So we've seen these currencies weaken over the last two to three years in many cases. But like I say, the other difference is we don't have the inflation fears this time around. So we're not getting the real asset sales. And therefore, I think, you know, there is some room for EMFX to pull back in the near term. But ultimately, we still see the outlook as quite challenging structurally. Yes, I was going to say, I mean, you say in the near term a pullback. So clearly, we're looking at treading cautiously in in returning to EM, aren't we? We need to be a bit selective where we go into EM. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. You know, we've been relatively cautious generally on emerging market currencies through the course of this year. But there are still some bright spots in our view. There are still some currencies which have a slightly better domestic 
outlook than others do. Now, in particular here, we would highlight currencies where there has been some structural reform domestically to boost growth. So the likes of the Indian rupee would stand out. It has been an outperform already. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think it can continue to do quite well, particularly on a total return basis. I think China as well, the renminbi, we're not really forecasting much currency weakness there. Yes, it will weaken slightly versus the dollar. There has been some concern about the shift in FX policy. There were concerns that China was going to weaken their currency aggressively. And we did not share that. And we don't share that view. HSBC is pretty confident that actually this feared devaluation or depreciation in the renminbi is simply not going to happen in the way people thought. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... People talk about the renminbi move in August as a devaluation, and we just don't believe in that language at all. This was a slight depreciation of the currency as it moved towards a more market-driven framework. Devaluations tend to be in the 10, 15, 20% margin. This was a 2, 3% move, and we've actually seen a reversal of that move as policymakers have have actually stabilised it to some degree. So it's not a deval. A deval wouldn't really help the Chinese economy, it wouldn't help policymakers achieve their long-run internationalisation goals. And as such, we just don't see aggressive weakness for the renminbi going forward. Okay. The other thing we've seen in the last couple of weeks is actually a return to some strength in the oil price and other commodities. And actually, commodity currencies are reflected in that. What's the implication of better commodity prices? Higher commodity prices and Certain EM currencies will go hand in hand. The big commodity exporters, the big oil exporters, your Russia's, some of the LATAM currencies should benefit from any stabilisation or increase in oil prices. One thing to point out, though, I think that it may not be universally beneficial to all EM currencies. And this goes back to this inflation argument I spoke about before. Now, we haven't had a big sell-off in EM bond markets from foreign owners because there's no fear of inflation. However, if oil prices start to pick up again, there is a slight risk that the inflation profiles for some of these countries could start to turn up. And those countries with structurally higher inflation, maybe Turkey, Mm. South Africa, you mentioned, that have benefited so far, there are still underlying inflation concerns there. And and if oil prices were to go back up towards 60, 70, $80 a barrel sort of thing, then, you know, if the inflation outlook changes, people's views of the local bond market start to deteriorate, that could actually create some weakness for some as well. So I wouldn't say higher oil prices are universally beneficial for EM currencies. Okay, just going back to China, because next week looks pretty pivotal. We've got the GDP data. And I'm just wondering whether you think some of this optimism or return to supporting EM is pretty fickle, pretty flimsy, because if China prints another bad set of data, we've had some pretty bad data this week, if we have another weak GDP number, then actually it could all go into reverse, couldn't it? Particularly the oil price and other things. Yeah, I think the moves have been fickle. I think you're right. I think if you look at the choppiness in the ranges of EM currencies, it's it's been very kind of to and fro. There hasn't been a huge amount of conviction. I think generally over the last year or so, the EM currency space has been facing downward pressure from three fronts. One is the dollar and the Fed, which you know we can talk about at some stage maybe. Sure. Sure. The other is China. And the third one is the domestic story. So if you look at China and you get weaker numbers coming out of China again, we've seen the PMIs remain very soft. We have seen stimulus, but whether it's really kicking in yet, we'll need to wait and see. You know, that could certainly impact the commodity producing currencies to some degree. It will likely impact those currencies which have closer trading links to China, those in North Asia, for example. And it could just engender a little bit more volatility into EMFX markets. The renminbi does act to some degree as an anchor of stability in some parts. So if you get a pickup in in volatility in the renminbi around these potentially weaker numbers, then that could also feed into broader EMFX volatility. 
volatility. Well, Dominic, I'm glad you mentioned the Fed because there has been signs of an interesting split in the Fed. I mean, obviously, all committees have different points of view, but some of the commentary coming out of a couple of members suggests that this is quite a deep divide between the hawks and the doves. Clearly, the other side of all this story about relative EM strength is dollar weakness. And it feels like the market is showing its view on the Fed's positioning by pushing the dollar further down. Yeah, I think it is. You know, if you look at the dollar's performance in the last week or so, it's not just against the M. Um, you know, euro dollars back up towards 115. Cable is up towards 155 or so. Dollar yen's been moving lower. So it is a weak dollar story as well. I think if you look at the market pricing and interest rates, it's continually being pushed back that the Fed will hike later rather than sooner. Indeed. So, you know, August now. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Middle of next year um, is, is what the interest rate market is telling us. The consensus, the economics gurus out there are telling us it's likely to still be December. That's our house view as well. Mm. But I think the risk is that even if we get a hike in December, the path is only going to be slower and slower than the Fed is currently telling us on their dots. And, you know, there's two ways of looking at it. It could be a challenge for EM if they're not hiking because weak growth in the US. And I think that's a concern for global growth. It is, you know, that's a real challenge. But if the Fed's not hiking because growth's stable in the US, but there's no inflation, then actually that might engender again that positivity to come through for some of those selected EM currencies as well. Yes. Which kind of begs the question, how do you play FX? In particular, how do you play EM? You, you had all those dollar bulls who must now be questioning whether they should close some of those positions. We've seen some evidence of that in positions being wound down. I mean, obviously, we're coming to the end of the year as well, which is not a great time to be thinking about these things. So what does the FX investor do? Well, I think in terms of those dollar bulls questioning their views, you know, HSBC turned neutral on the dollar back yes. in March, of course, um, the end of the dollar bull run, as, as David Bloom put it. You're so, you know, proved right, aren't yeah, you? to some degree, to some degree. I think it is difficult. I think the volatility you're seeing in FX markets, in EMFX in particular, is making life more challenging. But we would still favour this selective approach. And I think... As I say, if you if you try and look through some of the external volatility, the external changes in Fed in, in China, and you drill down to the domestic stories, this has actually worked for the last couple of years. Those countries where you've seen strong reforms coming through, stronger institutional frameworks, stronger domestic growth profiles, they have been the currencies that have generally outperformed. And I think there's still room for some of those currencies to do that. So again, India looks like a relative outperformer. China can do okay. Eastern Europe, some of the currencies there have good domestic stories, even though they may face FX policy pressures. So Czech Republic, they have an FX floor that stops the currency strengthening aggressively, but I think it can still outperform on a relative mm. basis. And then in LATAM, to a lesser degree as well, Mexico, you've seen some signs of some stabilisation there as well. And I think it is slim pickings for sure, sure, but I think there are still some slight gems out there. You just need to dig around yes. in the domestic story for them. Big moments coming up, aren't there, Dominic? We've got China GDP data. We've got a Fed October meeting. We've got payrolls coming up. I mean, I suppose to conclude, the message is sit tight in a way, isn't it? Yeah, sit tight and I think be nimble with your positions. I, th I think, you know, the, the days of one-way bets are generally over. Yes. The one-way dollar bet that yeah. we saw for those last few years, we think that's largely over. The one-way renminbi appreciation bet that we saw from 2010 to, to 2013, 2014, that's clearly changed. So I think it is being selective. It's being nimble, being willing to get into that detail and see what's really right. happening in these domestic economies. And I think, as I say, there is some room for selective plays on EM, but it is a challenging environment. So... Still. Investors, 
be choosy and do the hard work and have a look at what you should be investing in, if at all. My thanks to Dominic Bunning at HSBC. Please email me on roger.blitz at ft.com for any thoughts you have on FX and this podcast. And do keep up to date with all the latest Forex news and analysis on our website, ft.com forward slash FX. Join us again next week for an assessment on that key China GDP data. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.